scriptures um, in Colossians. We preached through the book of Colossians uh, in 2012, and this uh, particular scripture became a song. Um, Charity actually made it into a song, and, and I still love it when she sings this song, because it is. It's written in that kind of language, poetic language, song language. It's almost like a chant. Um, and this is Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. It says this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this year, 2013, where we've had the privilege to look at Jesus, his life, his miracles, his teachings, his parables, week in and week out, and look at how this whole great book that you've written is about Jesus. It's about this great rescue plan that you've put together to um, save us from ourselves and from our sin and to bring us back to you. We thank you that this Jesus is the leader of Life Church. We thank you that he is a faithful and good shepherd who guides us and leads us along. We pray, Lord, that in these testimonies that uh, Jesus would be magnified and glorified and that um, people would understand that this Jesus who came to earth 2,000 years ago is not dead, but he's very much alive, and he's at work here in Life Church and in our lives as individuals. So we glorify you today, Jesus. We magnify you. We thank you for all that you have done for us and what you continue to do, and we look forward to that in the future. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so that's the big idea here today, friends. We've come to the end of our year-long series looking at Jesus. We've called it Centered because we want your lives centered, built upon the foundation of the Christian faith, which is the man Jesus, the God-man, Jesus Christ. And after a year of looking at his teachings, his miracles, his parables, types of Christ in the Old Testament, looking at how this whole book is about one main character, and that is Jesus Christ, the great rescuer who's come to earth to die in your place for your sins, to save you, to bring you back to God, which is where you always belonged. That's the, that's the whole point of this book. And that's why we've been centering on him. And so today, the culmination of that series the culmination of a whole year's worth of sermons is going to be people just getting up and saying, hey, this is what this Jesus has done in my life. Because the best part about the story of Jesus is not that he came, not that he died, but that he rose again, that he still lives today, and that he still changes our hearts and guides us and leads us back to him where we can find life and joy and salvation. Okay, so that's what you're going to hear about in the coming minutes. You're going to hear testimonies from a number of Life Church people who um, are going to declare what Jesus has done. Now, some of them are going to be reading on behalf of others who couldn't be here today. And so um, you'll get to hear a number of different things. And then we're going to end by worshiping Jesus again. We're going to bring Charity and the worship team back up. And we're just going to give our final praise to Jesus. This last Sunday in 2013, we're going to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've done for us. 
We love you. We treasure you more than we did last year. And we still have a long way to go. And we want to continue to uh, see you for who you really are. We want to continue to grow in you. We want to continue to love you more than we did last year. Um, Additionally, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 tells us that testimonies are powerful for you who are listening. Um, It says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that they, meaning the, the believers, overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How many of you had it sometime where someone says to you, look, I was so bound up in this, and then God set me free. You know, and you're like, all of a sudden your, your heart lights up with a little hope because you struggle with that same thing. Um, or, or you hear somebody's testimony, you say, man, wouldn't that be awesome? Maybe God could do that in my life. Or, or maybe God could free me from this thing. If that person was so bound up in that, maybe that could be my story. Testimonies are powerful. And so we, as, as Life Church and as the leadership team, we would like to be doing these kinds of things more often. We would like to hear from you what God has done in your life more often. And so this is a first time for us. We've never done this before. But we pray that this would not be the last time that we get up here and declare the goodness of our God and what he's done in our lives, all right? And so um, I'm going to bring Mark up first, and he's going to get us started. Good morning. I, I've never spoken to a microphone before, so just, just bear with me. I'm going to be reading from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verses 14 and 15. It says, The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I have made in the house of Israel and in Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up a just shoot, and he shall do what is right and just in the land. Uh, my story is not new. My story is not original. Um, like, like many others, I, I grew up in a uh, Christian household and, and fell away. And, and the Lord ended up bringing me back. But the way that he did that may be original. It was exactly six weeks to the day, almost to the hour, my mom, before my mom had passed away. And the, the lady that, the son of my mom, or my son's mother and I were living together for the last seven years, not married, and we had separated. And so for those six weeks, I had went and lived with my mom, not knowing she was going to pass away, not knowing that this would be the final six weeks of her life. If you had known, or if I had known that she was going to pass away, we would have all spent every minute we had with her. But we didn't know. And so I spent the final six weeks of my mom's life learning how to read the Bible, 
learning who Jesus was, learning what the scriptures meant, and, and learning what it means to be a follower of Christ. And, and since then, it's like it says in the Bible, when a, when a seed remains on the vine, it's only a seed, but when it dies and falls to the ground, the seed will spread. And I believe that's what has happened. And that has really been my testimony, I guess, of, of where I had come from. I could get into the, the sins that I committed and the, the wrong I've done and the repentance that I paid. But just knowing what the Lord had in store and what the Lord's plans were were way better than anything that I could ever even think up. And then real quick, um, there's a program. It's called the uh, Man-to-Man Program, and it's generally for men. Um, it's, it's part of a Christian ministry in the churches. And if anybody has any interest in that, please let me know. There's a gentleman named Bruce Oliver at the, uh, the prison that uh, is looking for people to... Um, sign up and mentor to folks that are in prison. And you would have to go through a background check and, and security clearance and things like that. But if that's something you're interested in, um, please let me know. Praise God, yeah. Yes, praise God. Mark's got a powerful testimony. But likewise, uh, all of us have a powerful testimony. And, and you'll hear that um, and the people that come. Uh, Elder Wade, would you come now and share? Good morning. Um, the pastors talked to the elder team kind of about this service and asked for us to pray about sharing something and, and um, something that Jesus did in our lives this past year. And, and so, But I'm not going to share about a specific service or a specific message um, that God used to speak to me. I'm going to actually talk about times that I have not been at Life Church, times that I've been away. Um, our family comes to church. We're pretty consistent. We, uh, you know, I'm an elder on the elder team, and Charity is the worship leader. We help with kids' church. We do a lot of things in the church, and so we're here consistently. And and the powerful messages that are spoken and and the amazing things that God does. It's part of our lives on a daily, daily basis. Um, so I guess one of the things that I notice the most is when we're away from that. Um, there were two instances this year that really stood out to me in my mind, and, and one was just a Sunday where we uh, attended a different church and, and um, just for, for a family event, and another was a series one of the things I didn't mention was Harpen Bowl. We come to Harpen Bowl on Monday nights and, and do our thing there. Um, and I just, um, being away from those things, the other thing was uh, flag football season. We had flag football on Monday nights. And so we spent a season of weeks uh, where we didn't come to Harpen Bowl. And so those times when we were away from the body of Christ um, really impacted me this year. It it. It felt like there was, you know, something, something really missing. Um, 
that saying saying you don't know what you've got until it's gone kind of an idea was something that kept going through my mind and and so it was it was a, a real impact and I believe that that was Jesus speaking that to me um, and you know this past year the sermon series really sums it up um, because when I was away either from the church service on Sunday morning or from from Harp and Bowl and the things going on there it was um, This church is centered on Jesus, and that's what this whole year was all about. Not just the sermons on Sunday morning, not just um, life groups, not just the events that we do, but every person in this church has Jesus in the center of their lives, and it's a genuine, authentic thing that it, it's, it's a special thing. You don't find that everywhere else, and, and it's, it's something that I know... Um, has impacted me. It has drawn me to this church and to this body, and that's why we're here and we're a part of it, and and we're staying. And and um, it's not because of this church, because the people here are wonderful, but it is because of what Jesus is doing through the people in this church. And I'm so excited about that. And and um, so that time away um, has given me that that view of, of the power of the church, the body of the church, and um, people using their various gifts, whether it be. Um, the pastors on Sunday morning, whether it be the worship team, whether it be people um, that are greeting and, and meeting with people, whether it be just um, everybody in the church and, and uh, the gifts that you have and the things that you share. And, and um, it's, it's just been a very powerful thing for me this, church, this, this um, entire year. Um, so I'm in- excited and I'm encouraged uh, to continue uh, working with this body of believers to to uh, as we prepare the bride of Christ uh, for his return and um, i 'm excited for it and so i 'm going to end with Romans twelve verses four through eight for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's one of the cool things even about this time is uh, you're going to get to hear from some young people. And uh, here at Life Church, we think that singles and married people and old people and young people all have a vital role to play in the church. And so uh, there is no distinction. We are, we're all completely necessary in the body of Christ. Um, Jack, will you come and share now? read a couple verses here. First John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And Second Corinthians three eighteen, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit.
just going to read it. It's easier that way. So. Um, life can go from easy to hard and hard back to easy and everything in between. This past year has not been a particular easy one for me. There have been lots of challenges and lots of questions and a lot of questioning my own heart. At the same time of questioning my own heart, I had to try to see what the heart of Jesus is like. My heart is desperately wicked, wicked according to the Scripture, and also says, who can know it? But Jesus does. He knows everything inside me, and I am, I'm an open book to him. He can read me clearly. The problem is that I can't read myself very, very well sometimes. However, however, more important than even knowing myself in my, my own heart is knowing the heart of Jesus. It seems that through every difficulty and frustration that came my way, there was an image stamped on it, and if I looked close enough, I could see Jesus in it. That did not make the struggles any more pleasant, and it did not take them away, but it did allow me to see a purpose in them. In one way, I could see my own heart and really wonder if there was any good in me at all. In another way, I, could, I would see the heart of Jesus. Yet that did not seem to help much because the two were so very far apart. I wondered if I could ever be transformed into the image of Jesus that Second Corinthians 3.18, the one I wrote, read, speaks of. However, if I think rightly, I am seeing the heart of Jesus. And 1 John 3.2 says that if I see him, I will be like him. That is a comfort. That seems to make a difficult year okay. Because now I see him working, and the word says that God is at work in us, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. So I guess I'm, what I'm saying in that is that even in difficult times, if you have the eyes to see, you can see the image of God stamped on the difficult times. Because nothing escapes his notice. Nothing escapes him. And he can use anything, if you're willing to see it and allow him to work. Okay, there's another thing that I see that showed up in two things in my life this year. I visit an elderly man in a nursing home, and I've known him for many years. I've wanted him to be saved and, start, and started visiting him for that reason. However, as time went on, I began to realize that just being his friend and visiting him is acting like Jesus would act. In just be, being his friend... The love of Jesus is being shown to him, and in that I pray his heart will be pulled to the Savior. The second thing is the garden we did this year. We were able to give away tons of vegetables, and that's not an exaggeration. Tons of it. It was a pickup load every week. Um, And we blessed people in so many ways in doing that. One person came and picked up vegetables in one bag. She didn't take very many. But she was so thankful for what she got. And if you just look in and I, I was able to just look into her eyes. And looking into her eyes, I could see that she really needed this stuff. And she was really grateful to get it. I, I just remember that so well. I mean, that, that just made, that alone made it all well worth it. Uh, others came and would just hang around and talk. They just hung around there, talked with us. Many would ask who we were and, and would and we would just tell them, we go to Life Church and want to share the abundance that we have with our neighbors. Uh, you know, we didn't really speak a theological message to them or a message of salvation verbally, but we were just there blessing them and helping them with getting uh, food. And uh, 
It's like I said, here, here again, being like here, here again, we're just being like Jesus and the, and being like the Father, because the Word says, "God so loved the world that He gave," and we gave all summer, every Saturday, to, to these people. He said, "I have had so much. I have had so much food from the gardens. I have grown over the years, and now it is such a joy just to give it away and bless people with it. To expand the garden I had to what it is now." did not really take that much, nor did it cost very much. But what it produced is many times the investment. It is not just the produce, but the friendship with our neighbors and being like Jesus. Praise the Lord. More about the garden to come. Um, Stephen, will you come and share? Got a little stand here for you if you want to use that. Good morning. My name is Stephen. What we learned at the Bible Project was good. And when we started this project, it was fun. And when I came home, I was eager to tell my parents what we what I did. And what I learned was that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and in three days rose again. Thank you, Stephen. Okay, Elder Roy. Been, it's been a good year. Um, I guess what I really liked about it was it was not focused on Pastor Bill or the elders. It was focused on it was focused on focused on Jesus. And uh, I guess the sermon that most stood out to me, <coughs> if I can just identify one, I think it was Pastor Bill when he spoke when he spoke about Joseph and the life that Joseph had in comparison to the life that, that Christ had. And in that, uh, you know, we can kind of put ourselves in, in, that, in that story. I'm sure we all know the story, but, you know, sometimes life takes us down a path, a path that, that we didn't plan, you know, and a lot of our issues are, are issues that we inherit. But when you look at the life of Joseph, as much as he went through, he stayed faithful to God. And so I kind of got from that, uh, you know, Whatever, whatever life throws at us, if we have God on our side, if we accept him as our Lord and Savior, then we will be okay. And I kind of just uh, was looking at Romans 8 and 28 where it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And when I read that, you know, I just think about, you know, the purpose that God has for us. You know, sometimes it may... It may, it may take us on a path that we didn't plan, you know, um, because my life has not always been what it is now. And God looked at me, the wreck that I was in, and brought me to a, to a place in him. And then in doing so, he brought me to Life Church, and honestly, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. So I really appreciate uh, our pastors and our elders. Um, we, we lead people to Christ, you know, as a church and as a body, and we don't, I don't, and I'm sure together I can say we don't, uh, just do this on Sunday morning. It's, it's, it's our way of life. It's my way of life. And 
And so I just strive to be more like, more like Christ in everything I do. And when I look at the life of Joseph, Joseph was sold. You know, he uh, was falsely accused. He went to prison. Uh, but in all those situations, Joseph always rose up. Uh, he stayed faithful to God because uh, it was in his DNA. You know, he loved Christ. He wanted to be, be like Christ. And that inspired me. You know, no matter what, what life throws at me, I want to be more like Christ in everything I do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Bridge, will you come now? Hi, I'm Bridge. This year God has been helping me control my anger. I learned that anger is like this sword. This sword is called a Roman gladius. It is very powerful and it can be used to cut people down and destroy them, or it can be used to protect others. When I used to get angry, I would disobey. But now I ask God to help me in those times. I am still not perfect yet, but I have gotten better with controlling my anger. Now I know I can use my anger to defend, protect, and speak out for those who cannot, like the kids in Swaziland that don't have any clean water to drink. I encourage you to pray to God and ask him to help you in tough times. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome to hear? Um, Yvette. And then Esther will come. I'll follow the steps of my kids and say, hello, my name is Yvette. Um, This year has been a year of stretching. Um, It's been a year of faith for me. I've been stretched both um, professionally, um, personally, emotionally, with going from two to three kids took a lot more for me. I used my life used to be, I used to be, I thought I was in control. But when the third kid came, I had to let go and let God be. And this year has been um, a good year here at church where our pastors were centering on God, centering on Jesus. <clears throat> and toward the beginning of the year, I was going through the motion. I was trying to hold, make everything stay together. But I wasn't as focused on God as I used to be. And it, it was very difficult for me as a new mother and having two kids and having the third one very young, requiring quite a bit of attention from me. And um, it was toward the middle of the year when Pastor Bell, I think, and Pastor Dave, too, where they talked about refocusing, centering on God. And Pastor Bill talked about uh, Job, how when he went through his suffering, he did not judge his friends, but he prayed for them. And instead of being, focusing on his situation, he had faith in God. And that allowed me, when we went home, we used to pray together with uh, Roy every morning. <clears throat> and we went away from it after having Benaya because I was so tired. I didn't have time in the morning to get up and pray. And um, after the message, I think it was the following morning where I got up and he was praying. He's been praying and he's been faithful doing that. And um, I got up and said, you know, I just missed that time in the morning when we'll get together and pray. 
And at that time, too, we were not as close as we used to be because we didn't spend that time together praying and searching God's um, face. So we decided to go back to that and getting up at 4.30, that's our time. We get up at 4.30 and we pray. And I think that was the turning point for us this year when we went back to what we used to do, not because we were... um, seeking to better ourselves, but we were trying to get closer to God. And by doing that, we got closer together. And that made things a lot better than they were before. And I'm going to uh, share with you something that I wrote down. Sorry, I have my notes here. Sorry, I thought I had it ready, but I don't think I was as ready as I thought. But anyway, what I wrote down was, um, going forward, God is a God of faith. God is a God of goodness. He is a God of mercy. And uh, what he's calling me and my family, and I believe the whole church to do, is to re- refocus on him. I know there are, there are a lot of things that are either stretching or, or taking us away from God or either drawing us closer to God. It is a choice that we make every day, whether we're going to follow God or fall away from him. But as we focus throughout the year here about Jesus, about learning more about who he is and how he can either turn our lives around for his good or either turn our lives around for us to see who he is in us and also draw her closer to us, draw us closer to him, I encourage each of you guys to be able, and myself included, to be able to focus on God and know that without him, without that sure foundation, nothing will hold together. But if he is the foundation, if he is the foundation of your life, if he is the foundation of your marriage, you will not fall apart, but you will be able to come together and stand strong. And what I want to leave you with today is something that I read from this a limited situation may afford the soul a chance to, to grow. A limited situation may afford the soul a chance to grow. And that's what I learned this year. If I am weak, I know that through the faith that I have in God, I can grow and do better things and greater things for God. So that's fine. Amen. Praise Jesus. Esther is on the edge of her seat. I'm so proud of our young men and women. They're just um, amazing young people, full of the Spirit of God, and she's got something to share for us. Good morning. My name is Esther, and what I learned this year is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and I'm so happy to come to church and learn about Jesus, and I'm so happy to tell my parents about Jesus. Amen. Praise God, they need it. Keep telling them about Jesus. (laughs) Okay. Um, Chris, will you come? 
Don't forget the word. Um, I've been having like a really tough year, actually. Uh, and it's just funny to me because like this whole year, our, our theme is being centered on Christ. And I feel like like the last few months, especially, it's been just such a struggle to get away from like being so self-focused. And um, I know, uh, I don't know how many were here like a few years ago, maybe the first time when I spoke up in church, but I um, gave this testimony that I'm going to talk about a little bit today, and, and I know Pastor Dave and Pastor Bill really uh, want me to share, um, and, and honestly, it was something that like I was just having a tough time with because I felt like um, I haven't been, <laughs> I haven't been living it out or I haven't experienced it. Um, the same as when I did then, but um, but God really showed me some stuff just in the last few days, even regarding this. So, um, sorry, it's a little unorganized, but um, a few years ago, I was uh, I was dating this girl who I had every intention of uh, wanting to marry and wanting to pursue her in that way, and and uh, we even talked about it. And I was just crazy about this girl. Um, wonderful, wonderful woman, very godly, and we just had this same heart for, for uh, just reaching out to people, reaching out to kids, and um, yeah, all this time, she had never known, like, my personal struggles, um, just with pornography and, and, and the things that come along with that and lust, and um, even though, like, for a time, I was doing a lot better uh, with that stuff, like, like, in this relationship, like, it, it came back around and just like I really got pulled into it, and it was something where I'm I'm kind of a bleeding heart, so to speak, where I can't help but just open up about anything and everything. And um, I I opened this up to her on the phone. I was having a tough time. Oh, and on top of this, all this girl that I'm talking about, she lived in Mississippi, and I was still here um, in Sioux Falls. So it was, it was really hard, and probably not the wisest thing to to bring it up over the phone like that. But I did. Um, and, and this just crushed her, like, and I, I just, I guess I never saw, I, I knew, I knew it was really going to hurt her, but I guess I just thought, for some reason, that, like, like, her relationship in Christ was strong enough that she could, she could bear it, and, and she'd be okay, um, and, and help me through it, help me fight through this, um, but I was so wrong, like, she was so crushed, she, she just, like, basically dropped me right there, and um, I was just so crushed with just, like, aside from the weight of my sin that I already dealt with this shame, like, every day and just hated when I fall into this, um, but I was so crushed and felt so abandoned by her, um, and this is a time when, when God really spoke to me in a new way, really used um, chapter 8 in Romans, talking about how there's no condemnation in Christ, how nothing can separate us from his love. And for some reason, that really never hit home before like it did um, with this. And um, I just experienced this amazing, amazing freedom and like amazing times of just being in God's presence and just growing in Christ, growing closer to him and really finally having a grasp on 
what this idea of unfailing love is and how nothing, not even me and my actions can separate me from Christ's love, can take away what he's already done for me, for us. Um, and, and you see, like, the reason I, I almost didn't want to come up here today is because, you know, I had like an amazing like six months where I, I just like, it was crazy. It's like the temptation wasn't even there anymore. And, like, so I experienced this. I walked in this. I lived in this place where I truly saw complete deliverance from this. Um, but, again, the reason I didn't want to come up today is because I've been, I've been struggling. Um, not, like, I've been struggling with this still to this day. And it's not, not the vice it once was. I still see um, Christ has just given me so much more power over over that compared to where I was, but it's still a thing where it's like, I still haven't completely cut that out of my life, and just was like, you know, it just, it's, it's like, it starts to affect every area of your life, and, and I know a lot of men in this room probably struggle with that same fight, with that same battle, with lust, and that's, that's, that's how it always goes, it's like, you think that you can't bring it up, you think you can't talk about it, and the more you repress it, the more it like the more it consumes you, the more it masters you, and the harder it is to do life, to look people in the eye, to really love them, to really talk to them, to really do the things God has placed on your heart. And I mean, it's just it's just crazy how it, it, it just permeates through every area of life. And even above this, like I don't want to make this one sin like some great big thing. And I think that's that's a big tendency of our culture is to make this this huge thing that that we can't talk about because it's so bad and really it's no different than any other sin and and you know if you can't relate with me today like if you're not dealing with this um i mean this goes above and beyond that like just our sin in general like the past few months i've been struggling much more with just just being a person who's just just full of the joy of the lord just someone who who can even love my housemates. I'm doing this mission house thing where the whole idea is we want to do community. And I can't, I, half the time I can't stand one of my best friends and my brother, Dan, because I'm so stuck on myself, so selfish. And even apart from my struggles with lust, just, I get so, we get so down and out sometimes. And like when I do that, it just consumes me. And, I, and, I, and I'm get so down about being down and out and, like, ashamed that I'm in this place and that I, I can't love people like I need to. It's, but the whole thing I'm forgetting is that it's already done. It's like Christ has freed us from sin. There's no condemnation in Christ. For those of you who belong to Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation and it's one thing to, to hear that or to know that, but, like, to know it is, like, a whole, whole nother thing. And it's, it's like a daily thing where you've got to start over, so to speak. And I feel like I'm just rambling. But, uh, I mean, if you hear nothing else from, from what I'm saying today, is just know that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you're at now. You are free from sin solely because of what Jesus has done for you. That's it. Nothing to do with what you've achieved, how good you've been. So when you trip up and you fall down, like it doesn't matter. If you're placing your trust 
in Jesus and what he's done for you, that he saved you from your sin, you are free from condemnation. He loves you. Nothing can separate you from that love. Not even you and your stupid mistakes. And the last thing I'm going to leave you with is just some scripture out of Philippians 3 that, um, I just, that just popped up the other night. And I just think it just fits right here. Just talking about exactly what I'm talking about. Um, starting in Philippians 3.12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I keep working toward the day when I will finally be all that Christ Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. No, dear brothers and sisters, I'm still not all I should be. But I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the price prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us up to heaven. So, I just encourage you to do that. Just focus on forgetting what you did yesterday, forgetting what's happened, forgetting and looking forward to Jesus and what he's done and just trusting in him and trusting that you are forgiven, as he says. Thanks, Chris. Praise God. You will get to hear a sermon from Chris uh, coming in January. And, um, and yeah, some of the stuff is what we're going to be talking about. Some of you in here think that nobody um, who's a good Christian deals with temptation or, or battles these kinds of things. It couldn't be, it couldn't be more untrue. Um, as a Christian, you are going to have these deep battles with different sins, and all of you struggling with, on some level with some kind of a sin and um, when we come together and we, and we talk about them and we proclaim the grace that we found in Jesus Christ, it, it frees us up to, um, to actually live how God has called us to live. I mean, grace is the safety net that catches you, but it's also what empowers you. Um, so you'll be hearing uh, more about that in the weeks to come. Now, Michelle's going to come, and then uh, I'm go- she's going to read a couple of testimonies, and then I'm going to finish up with a testimony of Life Church uh, corporately. So here she is. I'll be reading two testimonies, not for myself, but for my beautiful mother, who had the misfortune of catching a cold that I brought home and losing her voice, and for Melissa, who's at the One Thing Conference, but wanted you to know what Jesus has done this year for her. So for my mom, I saw Jesus reflected in Jack's garden. Genesis 1.11, God says, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its own kind on the earth, and it was so. There was a lot of rejoicing going on as the earth was created. It was new without blemish, doing all that it was created to do, perfection. Each seed had a purpose, and it would not be moved from that. Amazing. Tiny seeds somehow became corn, tomatoes, carrots, peas, potatoes, peppers, and squash. All of this creation reflected God's glory just by growing and maturing into what it was made to be. This is how Jesus sees us created, to reflect his glory, growing and maturing, and doing what we are created to do. As things began to sprout, thoughts of Jesus' parables came to my mind. Would the soil be hard and the birds eat the seeds? Would it be rocky and shallow, causing the seeds to sprout but not be able to endure adverse conditions? Would there be weeds choking out our beautiful plants? Jack had tilled and the soil was soft. Some seeds we barely covered with dirt, and I actually worried the birds would find all of them. I thought about how tenderly Jesus prepares our hearts for his words. I understood how much he looks forward to the fruits we will produce. 
Then nap season came, and it began to get hot, and Jack had to set out the sprinklers. The weeds really enjoyed those. They grew ferociously. And I began to think about the parable of the weeds. I was told that the weeds would choke out the plants, causing it to be unable to bear fruit. Jack had to show us which plants were actually vegetables. Melissa and Jeannie always seemed to understand, but I had to learn. At first, the weeds were easy to pull because the soil was soft. Then as we walked on the path and as it grew dry and hot, the soil began to get hard and the weeds were more difficult to pull. They always seemed to be growing better than anything else. The church pulled together, pun intended, and many came out to help pull the weeds. One young farmer found the tallest weeds and went after them with gusto. It became a game to find the longest root. One evening, we, had, we were short on time and needed to leave. I heard one very compassionate farmer say, just let me save one more. Wow, I could hear those words of hope and redemption echo down the halls of time and land right into my heart. That was me. God took the time to see that I, was just, that I would be just what I needed to be and to help me grow. He supplies me with all that I need. Then a new thought came. Could there be one that I am supposed to help clear the weeds for and soften the dirt and bring fresh water? What would it take for us to help another to produce fruit? 1 Corinthians 3.6 says, I planted Apollos water, but God gave growth. Thanks, God. I know you will help us grow and mature into all that you want us to be. When harvest began, everyone was full of joy. The peas were sweet, and Jack had planted some cherry tomatoes just for us to snack on. Again, I saw how God provides for me even in the midst of all our busy lives and even during harvesting. We had many happy harvest picnics. We filled the church with produce and began to give it away. As we stood around the truck on Saturdays, I began to see not only was there an abundance of produce in the truck, but new friendships were growing and older friendships were deepening. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I saw Jesus in every interaction as produce was chosen and often carried back to someone's vehicle. I see Jesus reflected in every face. We are made in his image. We are growing in his grace, by his grace, for his pleasure. This is one garden I want to stay in until the end of the age, and we are invited to the new Jerusalem. Can you imagine a garden that produces abundantly with no sweat, struggle, and weeds? I can too. And for Melissa, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your, for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've lived in shame ever since I can remember. That weight and feeling that says, I am bad, no one wants to be around me, I can't do anything right, and I will always be a screw-up. The weight and the voice of shame in my head were so familiar that most of the time I didn't even realize that I was, the one, I was not only was I ruthlessly unkind to myself, but that's how I thought God was about me and towards me, and even though I might have said otherwise. As we centered on Jesus this year, on his life, his teachings, his miracles, I saw Jesus apart from this condemnation that I was feeling. I saw Jesus who lifted burdens, not who added to them. I saw a Jesus who set men free of sin, from sickness, from bondage, and death. I saw a Jesus who loved his disciples despite their failures. I could also see clearly that this terrible yoke I was carrying was not from him. Jesus has been breaking this hold of shame in my life and teaching me about what his yoke and his burden is. I'm learning how to follow him, not based on my measurements of being good or or bad, but rather based on who he is and who he says I am. 
And I know in greater measure that Jesus is loving, kind, patient, faithful, generous, tender, eager to lead me, teach me, and give me everything I need to be able to follow him. What I faced er- when, I, when earlier this year I faced financial problems, I just about imploded because the shame was so heavy. But this was also the same time that I started to see the difference between the yoke of shame and the yoke of Jesus. That difference, where I felt the gentleness of Jesus, helped me to take steps I needed without beating myself up every step of the way. Then this summer, a relational issue that I hadn't dealt with before because of shame resurfaced. In the past, I would have just shoved this thing back into a box and tried to move on. This time, Jesus pulled me persistently and patiently towards himself as he encouraged me to work through it and let him do whatever it took so that I wouldn't be ashamed or controlled by it anymore. Praise God that I am bound to him and not to shame. Praise Jesus. He is such a good and faithful God. Um, I'm going to give a testimony on behalf of the church because many of you um, have been a part, all of you have been a part of what we've done this past year. A lot of you didn't want to get up here and talk or were terrified to do so. Um, so I'm going to do some uh, talking on behalf of you and on behalf of Life Church corporately. If you've been around here in 2013, you know that Life Church has been busy. Uh, we are a church on mission because we serve a God who is on mission, bringing people back to himself, rescuing a broken world. And um, so here are a few snapshots of the year. Um, the general giving for the Ministry of Life Church that you all have given has been $201,974.87 brought in in 2013. And that money has gone to a number of different things. It goes to keeping this building up and running, um, which the building is getting close to being paid off. Um, it, gets, it goes to paying the pastor's salaries. It goes to paying other people who are on staff who help keep the church clean. It also goes to things like funding the three orphans that we sponsor through World Vision and uh, making sure that everything we do here at the church is free, buying curriculum for the kids' church. Um, We've given away dozens of Bibles and Jesus Storybook Bibles to you and your friends and everybody that says, hey, I'd like to get to know this Jesus or I'd like to learn more about him. We give it away because as we sang this morning, or as we we saw on the screen this morning, freely we, we have received, so freely we give. And we can do that because you all give generously and faithfully to the ministry here at Life Church, and we're doing our best to steward those monies. And so you're going to hear some of how those monies have been put to work here and invested for the kingdom of God and for its increase. Um, back in February, we did a coat drive um, as, it was, as the temperatures were plummeting. We decided, hey, there's a lot of people around here that may need warm clothes, and so let's clear out our closets. If we have two coats, let's give away one. The Bible, Jesus taught us that, that um, if you have two of something and someone is in need, you should give one away. It's a very simple um, an easy way to bless someone and to be obedient to Christ. We gave away hundreds of coats, but we also raised money for kids in Romania who struggle with uh, freezing cold temperatures and um, are ill-equipped to handle them. And we gave a total of $497 to the World Vision Coat Fund or Cold Weather Clothing Fund. That was matched 12 times by government grants which uh, gave us a grand total of $5,964 towards warm clothing in cold climates such as Romania. Um, So that, along with hundreds of coats, distributed here in our community for free. 
um, was February. Then, of course, we got to the garden project, and a bunch has been shared on that, so I'll keep it brief. But this came as a direct result of the church meeting that we had with Tony Trussell when we all sat down and we said, hey, as a family, how do we feel like God has called us to make disciples, which begins with reaching people with the gospel, um, sometimes meeting felt needs, and, and proclaiming the gospel. We believe that those two things should go hand in hand. We should always be um, doing things for people while we're preaching the message of Jesus. And um, this was the top vote getter. And I got to be honest here, I was not on board. I was like, a garden? That's a dumb idea. Uh, because I'm not a gardener, and I, and I was like, how does this translate into the gospel? And, and I, I was thinking, where are we going to put it? Like, we tried to grow grass out there. That was a failure. Um, and, and so nothing around here grows. But we didn't remember Jack. And Jack has this wonderful, fertile land out by Trent, South Dakota. And Jack, how many acres did you plow up this year? Yeah. 1.2 acres of land that was not plowed up. Jack went and, and took a tractor with Nick Rasmussen, started a huge fire, and plowed it up. It burnt half the place down and got a couple fire departments out there. But they got it all plowed up, and, uh, and we had this great garden. And then he and many others, I'm not going to even try to name them all, but he and many others planted at least 200 tomato plants, corn, potatoes, peppers, three kinds of beans, squash, pumpkins, gourds, cucumbers, zucchini, yellow squash, onions, beets, cabbage, both red and green, rutabagas, dill, basil, broccoli, watermelon, muskmelon, pumpkins, and carrots. And I probably missed some. All right, Dan would tell me I missed a few. Jack could probably tell me I missed a couple too. Um, but they planted this amazing garden. And like Jack said, every week um, from the end of August, or, or, or I'm sorry, from July 27th, after our outreach, it was the, we had an outreach in the neighborhood on July 20th. And from July 27th uh, all the way through October, we gave away a truckload, literally a truckload, tons of vegetables um, from 10 to noon in the neighborhood. Now, of course, after all this stuff was planted, like you heard, it had to be weeded. And so many people spent countless hours um, out there, went out multiple times a week and spent lots and lots of hours out there weeding and caring for the garden and making sure that um, our produce wasn't spoiled. Jack even planted a whole bunch of those tomato plants ahead of time so they were up and ready to go because we had kind of a late spring. You remember we had that ice storm on like April 9. Um, so Jack was way ahead of the game and had, you know, we had 200 tomato plants. It was, looked like the Heinz Corporation out there. You know, we just had tomatoes everywhere. And, uh, and the people in the neighborhood were blessed. Um, <clears throat> Ann Olson wrote that uh, regular customers came for boxes of veggies. Some gave them to the people in their neighborhoods that could not drive. So some came on behalf of other people and said, hey, can I pick up some veggies? Um, some canned and sold the canned goods. Uh, she said, we received cake, pickles, hot salsa, and other products as people wanted to show how proud they were of what they accomplished or how grateful they were for the food. So people would actually come back to the, food, the, the, the produce giveaway and give us stuff that they had made, saying, hey, thank you. We really appreciate it. Um, it was an awesome time, a really, really incredible God deal, bringing the church together to work together side by side, and also bringing us into the neighborhood um, to, to be a faithful witness for Christ in the neighborhood and to, to basically say, hey, Jesus lives. Here's some tomatoes. And there's more where that came from. 
Um, so that was an awesome, awesome event. Big thanks to all those who were such a faithful part of it. I mean, I went out, I think, three or four times, but I was probably the least faithful person involved with the garden project. I mean, there were people that were there every week and brought food and, and just did tons and tons and tons of work. Um, Jack obviously uh, did the most work, and so huge thanks to Jack. But we had so many people that just committed tons of hours to it, um, all because they wanted to glorify Jesus and give him praise and make his name great in this neighborhood. So this is not about glorifying us or anything that we did. This is about glorifying Jesus, and it was mission accomplished with the Garden Project. Um, Next thing, we gave to the adoption fund. As you know, Jenny and I are um, adopting um, $4,510 came in just given money for the adoption fund this past year. Um, we now have a daughter, Datum, who is seven years old, and we are approved to adopt her. But the adoption is, is all adoptions, international adoptions, are on hold in Ghana, and we are waiting word when we can buy our plane tickets and go over there and get her. Um, so pray for that, that the, that the government would open those adoptions up. Many places around the world are closing adoptions internationally or, or making uh, stricter regulations on them, like you have to stay three months. Um, so please pray about that. But $4,510 were brought in for the adoption. That doesn't include the fundraising money that was brought in, which was um, a little bit like three or 400 um, that was brought in from the Pizza Ranch fundraiser. And then also over $3,000 were brought in from the rummage sale that you all participated in, bringing things over to Jenny and I's house for the Kingswood rummage. And um, that's always a big success that will keep on going for those couples in the church who are adopting. And there are more people in the church now talking about adopting. So praise the Lord. We are building a culture of adoption here because we're adopted. Um, I don't think you can be a Christian and be against adoption. It's like saying... Well, it's like being a human being and being against living. You know, it's like, it's like as a Christian, you are adopted. So if you're against adoption, you're somehow against what's happened to you and how God brought you into his family. Um, he traded our lives for the life of his son and adopted us into his family. And so we need to be a pro-adoption church. That doesn't mean all of you have to adopt, but that means we all got to be on the fr- forefront of this saying, yep, you don't want your child, we'll welcome them. We'll take them. We love them. Every child is made in God's image. And Life Church is moving in that direction. Um, we paid an additional $4,000 down on our mortgage. As I said, this, uh, this church building is, is nearly paid for. Um, we also owe the land to, to uh, the west of us and to the east of us now. Um, so we've, God's given us a great property in a prominent place in this neighborhood, a very visible place, and um, we'll be looking at uh, better ways to utilize it. Um, and as the church grows and as the ministry grows here, uh, we'll talk more about that. But um, that's getting closer and closer to being paid. Uh, we support missionaries around the world. Uh, Matt and Rachel Adams, uh, they were here uh, through April and left in May. Um, we supported them with $1,200 for their health insurance for the year, and also many of you people support them uh, on a monthly basis. Additionally, uh, Daniel and Carla Gren serving in China in Kunming, uh, many of you people support them monthly. We, got, we were blessed to be able to spend a couple of months with them this year because they were back um, from China, and they have now adopted as well um, in China. So we praise God for that and uh, for the opportunity to be able to support their ministry there. Um, the Mission House, which uh, Chris talked about a little bit, this is a new concept that the Lord first laid on the heart of Laura Bain um, back in February of 2013. 
And Laura Bain uh, started talking to a couple of people that would be prospects, singles, saying, hey, could we live in Christian community and could we serve this neighborhood? And could this be kind of a, a project, an outreach idea that we could do? And and then she brought it to the pastors in July, and we said, hey, actually, we've been thinking about mission house kind of things for years now, um, planting houses in the neighborhood of people that live with the community and, and serve them and love them and share Jesus with them and have barbecue chicken together and, you know, just enjoy life together. And so we really liked the idea, and we brought it before the elders, and the elders liked the idea. Um, of course, we had an issue because we had men and women, so we prayed for a place that would support men and women and not destroy the testimony of Life Church by having them living in rooms right next to each other. And God provided a duplex. So we have a, a women's unit that is upstairs in an upstairs apartment and a men's unit that is downstairs in a downstairs apartment. And they eat meals together and uh, they do life together and they serve this community together. And they're a big part of all the outreach that happens here at Life Church facilitating that. And they are learning and growing and being sanctified in the midst of all those relationships. And so it's, uh, it's really been a wonderful thing. Life Church has given $2,600 to the Mission House and getting it up and running and, um, prom- and, and supporting that and just um, and, and kind of underwriting that project a little bit. Of course, they're giving a lot of time, energy, and resources um, as well. And so this is certainly not a one-sided deal. They're giving a ton to a Life Church and the mission here as well. So uh, both the community and Life Church have been greatly b- blessed by this uh, Mission House project. Um, additionally, we have a number of benevolence needs that come up, and I'm sure I didn't even tally up all of them, but from time to time, someone will come in from the neighborhood or someone in the church will have a need. And um, if it's someone in the church, it's usually very easy for us to go about meeting the need. We'll fire out an email, and all of you will give generously and take care of this person's need. But sometimes someone will come in, and, and Pastor Bill and I will have to weigh out, what's this person telling us? Is this really legitimate? How do we know? Um, and we'll have to kind of walk through a process with this person. But Life Church gave uh, $2,300 plus food um, to whoever needed it in 2013, just to benevolence needs. Um, it can be anything from... Uh, medical needs, um, to uh, sometimes housing needs, um, food needs, uh, needs for kids or whatever, um, as well as supplying babysitting and those kinds of uh, intangible things. So um, we did meet a number of benevolent needs. Uh, Then Finding Grace VBS was a new thing in 2013 as well. Um, Laura Bain and Alicia Peterson headed it up, but many of you volunteered to come to the church and bring a snack or teach a lesson or play with some kids or do a craft or whatever. Um, But we ran our VBS uh, from June 22 on Saturdays through July 20th. And it was um, each Saturday a different theme, and they walked through the gospel, what the gospel was. And they just invited kids in from the neighborhood to come and learn about Jesus and what he'd done for them. And uh, it was just a great time. We always had more than enough staff. So I, I said all the time that, you know, we didn't have a ton of kids come out for this first VBS. I'm sure this year will be better. Um, but we had a number of kids. And the cool thing was there was always plenty of adults so that these kids got a lot of connection time, a lot of interactional time, which um, I'm guessing many of them don't have on a regular basis. And so they got to interact with a person filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the presence of Christ. And uh, it was really an impacting time. And we got to know a lot of them uh, well, and so we're looking forward again to more uh, kids' outreach in the future. 
Um, July, of course, July 20th was our neighborhood outreach. We do a neighborhood outreach every year. Lots of inflatables, lots of food. We gave away literally hundreds of burgers, hundreds of hot dogs, three gallons of snow cone syrup, and the snow cones that went with them. Every drop of that went. Um, it wasn't actually that hot out, so I thought the snow cones might be a dive. Nope, they were they were gone. And uh, I mean, we had people eating um, unhealthy amounts of snow cones. Um, let's just put it that way. But it was a lot of fun. People bounced on the inflatables. We had a better turnout. We had hundreds of people from the neighborhood come out, eat with us, enjoy time with us, and uh, and sh- you know talk about Christ and issues of faith with us. Um, it's not like we jump on them right away, but uh, we, we got to have conversations with people, and, and uh, a lot of great things have happened from those neighborhood outreaches. Nick Rasmussen is a product of a neighborhood outreach, and he's been in, how long have you been in Life Church, Nick? A couple years now? Year and a half now? Okay. He just came to an outreach, started talking to Jack, and who wouldn't want to come back after talking to Jack, you know? Uh, so now they start fires together out in the country, and uh, it's, just, it's just wonderful. So... Uh, Neighborhood outreach was a, a huge success uh, on July 20th. Um, also in July, we began a joint effort with First Christian Church. One of the things that Life Church has been known for is we're ecumenical. We play nice with other churches. We don't think that we're the only church with the truth. Um, we don't think that we're the best church or we're always doing it right. We think Jesus is the best Savior. He's the one that's always doing it right. And we get it wrong sometimes, but we try to follow Jesus. Um, and other churches are doing it wrong sometimes, but they're trying to follow Jesus. And so we say, hey, how can we work together to spread the gospel? And they're in our neighborhood, and they're actually doing a phenomenal amount of really cool things. Um, they have this Friday night uh, community meal that their church puts on. And so we started saying, hey, can we come over and help you guys with that in any way? And um, started sponsoring that sometimes and started providing some, some people to do that, help out with the cooking. Um, but, yeah, they, they uh, inspired us in many ways and, and even helped send people our way. Um, so they were part of why we had the best turnout for um, our outreach that we've ever had is because they said, hey, you should check out Life Church on Saturday. Um, so working together has been a blessing for us, and we've gotten to know um, the pastor over there uh, pretty well and gotten to sit down with him and, and, uh, and just chat with him about his vision and, and the church and sharing the gospel here in Pettigrew Heights neighborhood. Um, October came around, and of course we were doing the, the, uh, the harvesting, and we were doing uh, giving away the produce and stuff, but then we had the Harvest Festival, um, which is every year we bring the kids in on Halloween night, and and um, we celebrate in our own Christian kind of way and have lots of candy and food and games. And this is when we had the chili cook-off. And man, I, at first I thought, chili cook-off, I don't know how good a turnout that's going to be. But you all know how to make chili. And, uh, and we had, like, how many pots of chili did we have out there? We must have had 20 different pots of chili. Uh, it, was, it was crazy. And they were really good chilies, just not as good as Jeannie's. Um, so Jeannie won the contest, um, but we had some really unique chilies. And uh, hopefully it's some chilies that we'll see again next Sunday. Uh, so that was a great time. We, once again, we were overstaffed. We had plenty of people to work it. Um, that's a great trend to have going because a lot of churches, you, you walk in on one of their events and it's understaffed and they're, everybody's frustrated. Um, these things are not frustrating things to be a part of. If you've been a part of one, they're just a lot of fun. And we're enjoying uh, spending time with each other and enjoying what we were meant to do, glorify God and share him with other people. And so it, it was a great time again at the Harvest Festival. Um, November brought around uh, the culmination of the Swaziland water project efforts. Um, of course, 
Uh, the Water Project began in 2010, I believe, when we said as a church we would like to help do something significant as a church in a community around the world. And so we got in touch with World Vision and specifically a lady named Millie Vanderpool, who is our World Vision church rep. And she put us in touch with this community called Mapala Jenny in Swaziland. And we started sponsoring kids from there because that's kind of the first step. And then your heart gets tied in with these kids and you're writing them letters and getting to know them and they're telling you about their community. And then Millie said, hey, there's this giant need for water and we have this great opportunity in Mapala Jenny to bring in a water pipe from a brand new water plant that the government is building. And so World Vision jumped on that opportunity and for it, the, the cost of the project was $218,280, Okay. That was the estimated cost at the beginning of the Swaziland Water Project, and that is to pipe water into over 2,300 homes who would normally have to walk somewhere between two to six hours a day to get water that they shared with cattle. All right, so this is a huge opportunity to literally transform and change thousands and thousands of people's lives and an entire future of a generation. And so we said, we're on it. We'll do it. And... Um, by this past September, at the beginning of September, that $218,280, us together with another church down in Florida, um, and some random gifts from a church on the East Coast, uh, had lowered that number down to 120000 But we got word that the, the need was urgent. After drought had really set in this past year, um, the, the, our community over there was really struggling. The kids were really struggling. Um, they could not find water. Even the water, the borehole wells had dried up. And so Millie said, you know, um, they're going to restructure this water project um, because it's just not getting funded. And we said, hey, let us have one more chance to do it. And I said, just please don't take this opportunity away from our people. We want to finish what we started. And the, the church down in Florida said the same thing. And she lobbied for us at World Vision. They said, okay, we won't restructure the project. We won't combine it with other projects. We'll let you guys have a shot at finishing it in this year. And so uh, we put it before you. We said, okay, this is a time where we give sacrificially. Uh, this is a time where we sell stuff, where we um, do things we wouldn't ordinarily do to get money together. Nothing illegal, but things that, you know, we would just try different things to get money together to give to this water project. And um, we got together on the 23rd. And since September, you all gave $50,829.03. Praise God. Praise Jesus. So that brings the grand total of Water Project giving in 2013 to $51,332.38. To give over 51 grand to this project. Um, and that combined with the effort from the church in Florida, which also gave like crazy and fasted and prayed like you did, um, the amount needed after being at 218000 total needed is down to $22,715, okay? Um, and that's very doable. We have to have that by October of 2014, and the water project will be finished. Um, so literally just a drop in the bucket compared to what we had. Um, and God has done an amazing thing in our hearts and an amazing thing in Swaziland. I mean, it just would be so cool to go see. I got to see places, me and Jenny, when we went there in 2012, of where the water pipe had been piped into someone's home, and they had a spigot in their backyard, and their kids could go and drink clean water that wouldn't make any of us sick even. And they could water their crops and give water to their animals so their animals lived. They had milk. They had plenty of produce. I mean, it was literally just life-changing that they had water 
um, and that they didn't have to spend all their hours getting it. Their kids are at school. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And so um, I'm going to pray for us here, and, and, uh, and then we're going to worship Jesus for all of these things that he's done. Charity's going to come back, um, and we're just going to end our time uh, in 2013 here, the last Sunday, the last time we'll be together, and we're going to worship him. And I would just encourage you to just, just let your heart praise him. You know, let him, let, sing out what he's done. The Bible talks about that all over in the Psalms. Sing, sing your praises to the Lord. Let him know how grateful you are for what he's done and for what he continues to do. This could not have happened if our God was not faithful and he was not moving and he was not doing uh, great things in and among us, all right? Um, so let me pray for you, and then um, Charity will come and uh, lead us in worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for um, this great year. We thank you that um, you have not left us, but that you have continued to work in and through us. We pray, Lord, that um, this next year, 2014, uh, would be another great year of following our lead pastor, Jesus Christ. That as we follow you, Jesus, that our hearts would be changed, that the things that we love would change, um, that our selfishness would change, that uh, the things that we think are important would change, that the, our level of joy would change, that we'd start to be filled with the joy of the Lord, that our hope would change, um, that we would have peace uh, because our peace is in you. Lord, I pray that um, as a congregation, we would proclaim the name of Jesus, not just with our words, but with all of our actions, with all of the, the things that we're involved in, with every, um, every ounce of uh, effort that we put forth, with every dollar that comes in. We would proclaim that Jesus is Lord and he is good. And so we thank you, Lord Jesus, for leading us this year. We thank you for loving us and dying for us. And we ask that uh, you would be magnified again in 2014. And we ask that you would uh, be pleased in our praise and worship today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is Charity coming? Okay. Charity will be with us in just one moment. Um, and then we'll worship. Um, one more quick thing. I don't think I missed anything. Okay, here she is. Um, so yeah, let's give praise to Jesus. If you just stand with me, we're going to close with one more song. Uh, if you need prayer after the service, um, you can come to one of us, uh, elders or pastor, and, and just get prayer. Otherwise, right after we get done worshiping, we're just dismissed. So uh, we're not going to end like we usually do with prayer. We're going to end with worship and just praise Jesus with all we've got, all right? Amen. Amen.